Welcome to episode 88 of Brody Sports Talk. My name is Caleb Walgren. We're going to be talking with our special guest, Connor. We're going to talk Sam Darnold being traded to the Carolina Panthers. And we're going to do a jersey rankings of the teams that are expected to have players go in the first round of the upcoming NFL draft. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to Brody Sports Talk episode 88. My name is Caleb Walgren and I am the regular host of this show. Uh, (laughs) And that's just how it's going to be. And just to go ahead and get the ball rolling, I am joined by a guest host today. His name is Connor. And Connor, just welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to it's been a long time since I've been a guest on anyone's podcast. So um, I was excited when you made the offer to join and I'm all for it. So repping the, I'm repping the clutch crew sports with my shirt. So <laughs> yeah, he's definitely on the clutch crew sports podcast. I'll have a link to his Twitter and the clutch crew uh, page, whatever page <laughs> their Twitter, their podcast links i'm going to link a whole bunch of stuff in the description make sure you read the description and use any links that you want to use at the end of the episode (laughs) when i can't say links and we're just getting the episode started you know it's going to be an interesting (laughs) podcast oh good (laughs) well uh to let you guys know what's coming we are going to talk the sam darnold trade to carolina we are going to get into the uh, a feature that's featuring the jerseys of players that could be expected to be drafted in the first round, potentially the second round, because when we made the list and then got a lot of rankings, then everything changes with the pro days because we don't have a combine this year. And suffice it to say, it's April, it's NFL draft time. We want to kind of talk about it and we're talking about it in arguably the most unusual way possible because we're Brody Sports Talk and we can do that. Uh, Connor has, is a Jersey savant. I've seen him do tier lists on jerseys before. And so I definitely am glad to have him here for his opinion and insight on these. So it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. Spoiler, some are good and some are terrible. <laughs> I don't think that's any kind of a surprise, uh, especially when you're talking about college football where fields can be blue or half purple and gray oh, or red or all sorts of different things. Well, the worst one for me, especially being an App State fan, whenever I see App State go to play Coastal Carolina, oh man, like they have that field that's like teal with like a mixture of tan or something in the end zones is like the worst thing I've ever seen. Like I actually kind of like Boise State's field, but that is terrible. Yeah, I think <laughs> I always bring up Central Arkansas as the perennial worst field. Uh, purple and gray are not colors that you should be alternating every five lines five not on a field not on a field pretty disgusting but at the same time it gets me to say central arkansas when i would normally never ever talk about them so kudos (laughs) to them for at least being relevant in something Uh, but let's go ahead and 
Uh, let's get to know you a little bit more because obviously, like you said, you haven't been a guest on a podcast in a while. It's the first time you've been on with us. Uh, let's get things started with, I know you are a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Can you go ahead and tell us a little bit of the story of how you became a Steelers fan? Yeah, that's always a, a question I get from people because <clears throat> living in North Carolina, I wear a Steelers mask every day when I go to work. You know, I just have a bunch of them that I wear and they always ask me the first question that they always ask me is, are you from Pittsburgh? No, I'm not Pittsburgh. I'm born and raised in North Carolina. So I certainly get a lot of questions about why, like, oh, well, why aren't you a Panthers fan or like, you know, a Falcons fan or something like that, you know, like local teams. And I'm like, well, you know, I like those teams. I'll pull for them. But, you know, it's always funny that the reason why I became a Steelers fan, also not bandwagoning because people say that too. Um, but I think it was when I was four years old, I was watching just like my dad is a huge football fan. He's from uh, Rochester, New York. So he's a diehard Buffalo Bills fan. Um, but just watching football on the TV. And I really like, I mean, it's funny enough, this actually ties in with this. They had my favorite jerseys. I was watching them and I was like, oh, because I didn't know who they were. I only knew about like three teams at that time. I knew, or like four, I knew the Panthers, the Bills, the Patriots and the Packers at that time. And actually at first I thought they were the Packers because, you know, they have that very similar Jersey style, but, and I couldn't, and it was like kind of daytime. So I couldn't tell like that that was black and not green. I was like, Oh dad, is that the Packers? He's like, no, that's the Steelers. I'm like, Oh, like, Oh, I thought that was the Packers. He's like, no, that's the Steelers. They were black. I'm like, Oh, some cool looking jerseys, cool looking uniform. So, you know, little four-year-old me just decided to adopt the Steelers as my team and, been loyal ever since uh, I don't know if you heard but that's actually remarkably close to how Sean ended up picking the Eagles because he picked the green team when his family was Cowboys fans and we're watching oh yeah I think I remember I think I remember so... him when uh he was a guest I wasn't actually on the episode that he guest starred on the NFC East edition but I think I remember hearing that he was like oh yeah like everyone was Cowboys fans so he want, wanted to go with the Eagles <laughs> I mean let's face it green is a lot better than silver and yes white and blue and whatever other it's just at least it's unique <laughs> so, yeah it's not it's not generic i'll say that uh, i mean that's fun i i know in general i've heard people say that rooting for sports teams is kind of like cheering for laundry because the players change the coaches change and the main thing that kind of stays the same is the name and the uniform. <laughs> and yep. Well, especially for a team like the Steelers. Like I know, you know, you have all these teams now, especially like last year, there was what, like four or five teams. Like there was a couple teams that made minor changes to their uniforms, but there was like four or five teams that got brand new uniforms last year. And I know I'm pretty safe in saying that the Steelers are never going to change their uniforms. Like they are some of the same with like, you know, you with the Packers, like, they're never going to change. They're so iconic. They're so good looking. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a Jets fan having to see my team with a new Jersey every five years. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you buy like a Darnold or Bell Jersey, you know, they're actually going to have some of those players on the team in a few years. Exactly. Um, I do want to ask you about that though, as a Steelers fan, a few off seasons ago, obviously we kind of had the, the breakup of the bees. Uh, Le'Veon had his holdout year. Antonio Brown got traded to the Raiders and all of the saga that has been the AB 84 since that time 
which I don't love that. Uh, no. But I felt it was interesting. The Steelers essentially said, you know what? We're sticking with our franchise quarterback. We're sticking with Mike Tomlin as a coach, which clearly they have had a ton of coach loyalty over the years. I really actually admire that about them. What do you think kind of, were you for it, against it? What was kind of your opinion of the Steelers as all of that chaos was happening? Yeah, I was actually definitely for them getting rid of Bell and Antonio Brown. Um, you know, I originally, it's funny because I was really sad that Antonio Brown actually like turned into what he did because honestly, funny enough, when Bell was doing his whole thing where he was holding out and, you know, causing drama, I actually kind of compared him to Antonio Brown. You know, I was like, oh, well, like Bell is the kind of guy, like he only cares about himself, blah, blah, blah. Like, but Antonio Brown, he's the guy that comes into practice. Like first he leaves last, he's a hard worker. He's a role model. Like, you know, and he was until Juju came in and started to steal his thunder. And honestly, I don't, I have no clue what happened to him because, you know, Bell, I, you know, he definitely was going holding out, but he didn't go crazy. Like Bell didn't go crazy. Antonio Brown somehow just went crazy over the course of what happened. And, you know, jealousy can only describe it in a small amount because <clears throat> I get it. You know, uh, this young new rookie is coming in and, you know, he's, you're getting double teamed all the time. So he's stealing all of your targets. He's putting up the numbers. You're getting ignored. You feel, um, so I can get feeling a little frustrated, but just to go absolutely crazy, I don't know what happened with that, but I was definitely on board with getting rid of them because locker room drama for me is like the biggest, I mean, if I was a GM or a coach, that would be a big number one pet peeve for me. It's why, you know, I agreed with, you know, a lot of people were saying that, oh, why aren't people signing Colin Kaepernick? Why aren't they signing, you know? he's better than half these quarterbacks in the league. I'm like, well, it's not worth the headache. You know, he may be one of the most, he may be talented. I mean, he did get benched for Blaine Gabbert, which I think a lot of people seem to forget, but you know, it would have just brought too much of a locker room headache to any team that signed him. And I saw that with Bell and Brown. So, you know, were they talented and did we let them go? Yeah. But you know, the Steelers, like you said, they're an extremely loyal organization you know they have only had three head coaches since 1969 and I mean I've ranted on Steelers fans calling for Tomlin's head almost every year and I'm glad they've stuck with him this whole time honestly I wouldn't have anyone else if you had to pick one player that you would dub the title Mr. Steeler who would that player be and why I know I didn't tell you this beforehand, and that's a hard. Oh question. man, <laughs> that's a who, Mister Steeler. Um, <clears throat> you know, funny enough, it's actually I don't think I don't know if I would say it's Roethlisberger. Um, he's definitely up there. Um, unfortunately, my favorite player of all time, Troy Polamalu, I couldn't really label him as Mister Steeler just because he was a fantastic player. And he was part of the organization forever, but his sort of attitude and the way he carried himself wasn't really fitting with Pittsburgh. Like Pittsburgh is a very, you know, very tough, very blue collar sort of area. Whereas Paul Amarlo is a very quiet, very reserved personality, which I mean, on the field, he was obviously a monster, but 
outside of the field, he was very quiet. He didn't like to talk to a lot of people. You know, he just kept to himself. So, um, so I guess, well, okay, I'll say since the Steelers have been around for so long, I guess I will say modern day Mr. Steeler does have to be Ben Roethlisberger. But if I'm going back <clears throat> more so in the past, I would probably say Mr. Steeler would be Jack Lambert because, I don't know, just something about him. He probably one of the toughest players I've ever seen clips of uh, watching old Steelers players. He was always, he never complained. I mean, he kind of reminded me of some of those things that J.J. Watt was doing in Houston, like when Watt had like that super bloody nose and everything, and yet he'd still go out there. That was Lambert. You know, the dude was missing teeth half the time. Um, you know, he just wouldn't he really fit the mold of pittsburgh so um yeah i think past jack lambert modern day ben roethlisberger i i i would probably say modern day the person who i equate with it the most is probably someone like heinz ward not that he's the face of the franchise which is where i think you can kind of slide it over to ben is he's more of the face but i feel like ward is the mentality um, when I was thinking back, I'm, I'm somewhat surprised that I didn't hear potentially like a Jerome Bettis, just kind of that workhorse, like you said, like the yeah. hardworking guy or, I mean, I think it's more, yeah, I think maybe it's for me, it's just the, I mean, maybe this the is physicality. A I don't think Lambert is a wrong answer. Oh, I don't no. know that maybe, there really I think is maybe for me, answer. I'm showing my, uh, my age a little bit, you know, I'm not, I'm only 22, so I haven't been following this team that long. I mean, you know, Jerome Bettis, unfortunately, he he retired when I was still, you know, a little kid, basically. I mean, I was still in elementary school. So, I mean, I loved him, but I just didn't get to see enough of him, especially since, you know, um, you know, he was a big part of the team in the 90s, but he wasn't a part of the Steelers for his whole career. You know, he spent three or, three or four seasons with the Rams before that. So, yeah, um, that's probably showing my age. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um. Uh, one last thing that I have to talk to you about, because I know you're an App State guy. Um, I don't think I knew who they were until I was with one of my friends. We were hanging out at like his fa- family RV and we found a channel that was called the Big Ten Network. We were like, we have no idea yep. what this is. <laughs> it was like free weekend preview. Okay, cool. Because... Yeah, why not? Football. It, it, it didn't exist before then. Uh, <laughs> and one of the best college football games I can remember, I, I'm not a Michigan lover. I, I don't like them. Uh, we will talk about Michigan a little bit later on in the episode as well with the jersey rankings. But, man, I, I was so happy to see App State, you know, blocking <laughs> field goals and running them back for touchdowns and all of that insanity. Uh is that also up there with you as probably like a top 10 moment in sports history just for you as a fan? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I remember, I actually remember hearing about that. Like when, cause I was, I didn't watch a whole lot of college football and my dad was like, Oh, like it was basically because my dad actually, when I was younger, used to just give me the sports section of the newspaper back when everybody got newspapers. <laughs> cause you know, that's not really a thing anymore. So and basically, it was just a big headline, like App State shocks the world, basically. Like, you know, the first division, well, at the time, there wasn't FBS and FCS. It was just Division One and Division Two. So the first Division Two 
team to beat a ranked division one team like you know because there have been division two teams that have beaten division one teams before like you know someone like app state probably had the talent to beat someone like you know i don't know rutgers or somebody but you know but you know to beat the number five ranked team in the country michigan wolverines you know the wolverines were expecting to win a national title that year and you know to come out of the gates and just have your plans derailed like that right off the get-go i mean and it's i kind of like that game like in a way, I wish App State would stop talking about it just because I feel like that's the only thing they talk about now. Um, you know, it's nice to remember that and everything, but I don't know. It just kind of created a culture around App State, though, that, like, this is the team you have to watch out for. Like, you know, they're not going to be, you know, yeah, if we were to somehow make a transfer to the SEC or the ACC or whatever, would we be able to compete? Probably not. You know, maybe if we a few years down the road or like some developing developing we could if we played them on a regular basis but they have that culture on them of that team that you know if one of the big name teams like you know Penn State or Wisconsin or or Ohio State or whatever gets them on their schedule it's like better watch out for that team because something can happen you know they're (laughs) they're a feisty team I mean you know we've pulled we almost came close to pulling off a couple big upsets um you know we finally that was one reason why i wish they would stop talking about that because we did actually go a long time in between beating a power five team i think people we had so many close calls like we had that game against tennessee where you know zach and eric will remember that how we almost beat tennessee we almost beat penn state like we came so close yeah and then finally you know we beat unc in south carolina uh, a couple seasons ago but yeah, I just like the culture around it. You know, it's I just like that the teams have to watch out for us because the, you know, these some of these teams have games like Alabama has a game. They had a game against Western Carolina or someone and they can just kind of look at that like, oh, pff, like whatever, that's a cakewalk. But we're no cakewalk. Absolutely. No one wants to be considered a cakewalk. And I think <laughs> that in general, it's just it was exciting. You always want to see the classic David versus Goliath matchup. And then that one, Oh yeah. App state was definitely David and they were a surprise. Oh um, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and talk some of the recent news. Uh, the Panthers have gotten a quarterback from the New York jets by the name of Sam Darnold. I think you've probably heard of him before. And they, yeah. You know, just ask gave, any jets, just ask any jets fan. He's God, you know, he's the best quarterback in the league, <laughs> you know, uh, He's not in New York, so hopefully he will not see any more ghosts. But uh, they gave up a sixth rounder this year and a second and fourth rounder in 2022. So total of three picks with the best being a second rounder next year. Uh, I do think it's interesting. I've been listening to Andrew Brandt's Business of Sports podcast, and he says that when you're talking about uh, future year picks, that a lot of teams just view them as a round down from where they currently are. So it's kind of like you traded <laughs> Sam Darnold for a sixth and a third and a fifth. If you're using yeah. that mindset, uh, Connor, go first, go ahead and tell me who you think won the trade. And uh, then we'll jump into whichever team you want to talk about first, the Panthers or the Jets. Yeah, that's, it's definitely a hard one. Um, I was not, a, I mean, you know, I, I'm a Steelers fan, but the Panthers will always be my number two because, you know, you got to root for the hometown team. But 
I was not happy when I saw that they did that. Um, you know, I feel like I know Teddy Bridgewater is obviously not the the guy for the long term, but I feel like he was definitely a better solution right now. I feel like, you know, Darnold obviously hasn't had a lot around him in the with the time he's been with the Jets, but you know, it's been more, the lack of success that he's had, in my opinion, has been more than just not having a good coach and good weapons. I feel like it's on him too. Just the amount of interceptions and bad throws that he makes, um, just there's no fixing it at this point, in my opinion. So, um, and he's not exactly going into a too much better situation in Carolina. I know, obviously, they have Christian McCaffrey as a big weapon, but he's kind of been a little injury prone over the course of the past few seasons. Um, you know, they still have they let Curtis Samuel go, so they lost a really good gadget guy. Um, and there's still not really a fantastic defense behind him. Um, I think Matt Rule is a much better coach, but I honestly think in the long run, I think in the short run, this is going to be a win for the Panthers just because the Jets are going to be, you know, they're going to be a dumpster fire next year, just like they were this year. But I think in the long run, I think it's going to be a win for the Jets. I feel like they're going to look back on it and they're going to realize, you know, kind of in a way, obviously it's not as dramatic as this was, but kind of like when the Steelers traded away Antonio Brown to the Raiders and all we got was like a third round pick for him. I was like, oh man, like we really could have gotten a lot more for him. But then you look in the long run and it's like, well, actually that kind of worked out better for the Steelers given everything that happened with him. So, um, you know, I think it is going to work out for the Jets long-term. Um, they're finally going to get away from trying to keep developing Sam Darnold. They did get picks. Um, like you said, a second rounder next year isn't as good as it may seem, but you find some gems in the later rounds. Um, you know, some of the best players in the NFL come outside the first round. So um, I think it's going to be better for the Jets in the long-term, honestly. That may be uh, a shock to some people thinking about it but I think it's better for the Jets it's very fair and I I know personally I have never been someone who has been standing saying about how great Teddy Bridgewater is so right. with that in mind I've I lean that I think that this trade is better for Carolina if for nothing else comparatively what the quarterback market has been this offseason you saw uh -huh. Jared Goff get sent for Stafford with multiple firsts. Mm -hmm. uh, the 49ers move up to the Dolphins with multiple firsts. And yet Sam Darnold, who I, I have to remind myself of this because he's been in the league for like three years. He's 23 years old. He's younger than Joe Burrow. It, <laughs> it's like, hard to believe. It, it's so hard to believe. I just feel like he at least has the potential to come in there and change his career. I don't think that we can say the, the list of people that we say, Oh, that, that guy can totally turn his career around is a lot shorter than the list of people we say it for. So <laughs> I, I want to be a little hesitant in sweeping too much praise on trying to say that I think Sam Darnold can do it. I also go, I do think that Gase was a huge issue. He never should have been hired as the head coach. They didn't have, I don't think they had the same GM and head coach for more than one season at a time. Like there was no consistent yeah. direction 
in his tenure in the three years up there. And when you're having things like, is Adam Gaze calling the plays? Is Mike McCagnan calling the plays? It was a lot of efforts in futility. It's interesting to me. I just am not big on Teddy Bridgewater as a passer. He's definitely someone who I would call more of a game manager. And I do think that Sam Darnold might be more of a risk taker, but I also think that that's what the Panthers need this year if they are going to at least try to compete more in the competitive NFC South. They were bad this past year. It's it's not really something that I'm hiding. They came out and I think they won more games early than people had expected. And they have an exceptionally young defense. I've talked about that multiple times here on the podcast. I think they had five or six rookies starting in their defense at different points during the year. And I do think that Joe Brady is someone who people look at and say, hey, he made something out of Joe Burrow, who was somehow Dwayne Haskins backup. Those two things do not (laughs) fit in my head at all. And it's, you know, he made Burrow look a lot better. I think that he can raise the level for Sam Darnold because whether it was his tenure at USC or his time with the Jets, it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're talking about raising the tenure, the question always is going to be how high. Is it going to be something where he goes from looking like a bottom 10 quarterback in the league for the starting quarterbacks to middle tier or pushing the boundaries for top 10? I don't know if it's going to happen that way. I don't know that the Panthers are looking to win games by having a top 10 quarterback. They're looking to win games by having a solid defense, beating Christian McCaffrey and getting first downs or taking shots when they need to. Darnold has a better arm than Teddy Bridgewater. And I I just feel like if nothing else, they got him on the low, low end. Like Mm -hmm. to me, what the Jets got for this trade was essentially putting up like a clearance sign, like, (laughs) Like a ham sandwich and a bag or of like, Doritos. <laughs> or like the guy that's on the street corner that has store closing soon and he's like raising the right. sign up and down. 80, 80% off everything. Liquidation sale. Everything must uh-huh. go. Like that's that's essentially what Sam Darnold got shipped out for. And that that's not the level of quarterback he is. I'm not going to sit here and say he's the best, most fantastic quarterback. I think he's an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater because – Teddy Bridgewater has, has issues. Uh Sam Darnold has issues too, but he's six years younger and he at least has the potential of being molded out of them. In my opinion, he's not in the prime of his career. And if nothing else, I kind of, the name that I want to say that I connect with, you know, as a quarterback's getting older and gets better is Josh Allen. I don't think Darnold's going to have that big of a leap from (laughs) you. year four so i i don't want to say yeah that's that's quite rare to be Caleb compared darnold to, to josh allen no 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 <laughs> don't go that far yet but i do think that sam has some of those good traits and there was nothing in new york i don't know how they won two games this past year to be honest so <laughs> oh trust me i'm sure uh zach and eric will be sending them gift cards and whatnot, thanking them for allowing the Jaguars to take Trevor Lawrence this year. (laughs) 
they will unless Zach Wilson all of a sudden shows up and does better. That is true. Well, I guess highly doubtful. One, just for the record, yeah, yeah. No, I guess you know one thing that was good in a way because um, you're right about Darnold. Like you know, who knows? There could be he could change because he is very young. But I guess one thing, another win in my opinion on this for the Jets actually goes back to what I was talking about with Bell and Antonio Brown. Like I feel like finally shipping out Sam Darnold it eliminates any sort of like quarterback controversy that's going to happen in New York. Like, okay, you know, there's not, there's not going to be any of this. Oh, well, you know, Darnold's a starter, but you know, as soon as he starts doing bad, there's going to be calls for Zach Wilson or Wilson's the starter. But as soon as he starts doing bad, there's calls for Darnold and, you know, hopefully, hopefully they wouldn't, if that was the situation, they wouldn't do what Washington did a couple seasons ago and like basically rotate quarterbacks because that doesn't work. So it really opens the path for, okay, Zach Wilson. I mean, assuming they draft Zach Wilson, we don't know. That's not a guarantee. Um, pretty much the only guarantee at this point is the Jaguars taking Trevor Lawrence. The rest of it, anything can happen. So, but assuming it is Zach Wilson, it opens the door for him that, okay, he's the guy. He's our starter. We can develop him. There's no controversy. Um, you know, we can focus on hopefully for their sake, you know, <laughs> getting something. A more you know hopefully i know robert sala should be a much more competent coach than adam gase you know like you said i have no idea what the thought process was in hiring adam gase because my dad talks about this all the time how he ruined the miami dolphins when he was there like they were a playoff team and he took them from playoffs to you know basically almost the seller of the afc east and somehow the jets managed to think that was a good idea to hire him so yeah that well, was an that, issue that's that's the jets version of good ideas for you um <laughs> i will say maybe as a, a closing thought and this might be something you can weigh in on as well i think that they should uh, zach wilson's clearly the guy that we have going to the jets at two right i don't think that that's any surprise to to either of us right. i think that it would be great if they went and picked up alex smith as a free agent uh bring bring in someone who you can at least have as competition and as a veteran leader in the quarterback room because right now you know you just got rid of darnold and i think we both agree some of the issues with the jets in terms of culture is i mean it, it is culture they need to have veteran players for someone like Zach Wilson to come in and learn underneath. It's not going to happen immediately, mm-hmm. but they clearly don't have any other, like when I'm looking at their, the Jets roster right now, they have James Morgan who they took in the draft last year. And that's, that's their quarterback that I see. <laughs> like <laughs> the, the, that's not who you want on the, in the quarterback room with Sam or with not Sam Darnold with well, Zach, Zach Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting the names mixed up. Oh, well. Oh yeah. Uh, no, for, for sure. I like, I mean, funny enough, when we did our free agency picks on clutch crew sports, I actually uh, had Alex Smith going to the jets for that very reason. Um, you know, and he's still out there, so it's not too late. And I know I will say if the jets want to do it, it's going to be something that, 
is going to have to happen pretty soon after the draft because I feel like a lot of these teams, you know, they're kind of we're at this point now where because there's still good free agents out there. Um, Alex Smith's the only kind of good free agent quarterback, but we're at this point now where teams are, you know, they're not really signing free agents anymore, even though they're out there because now they're kind of like waiting to see, okay, like if we really need an edge rusher or we really need a cornerback, like we're going to see what we can do in the draft. And if we can get what we want in the draft, then great. Like, you know, we don't need to go get Richard Sherman or Jadevian Clowney or whoever, but you know, if we don't get that for whatever reason, then we're going to go pursue it. So the, Jets are going to have to be quick on that because they're going to be some of these teams like possibly the Panthers or, you know, another team who's maybe wanting a quarterback just to kind of, you know, fill in there and they don't get one. And now they're going to be like, well, it's going to be a a race to Alex Smith. So um, the Jets are going to have to pounce on that quick if they want to get him. Absolutely. And I think it would, we both tend to agree there. It's it's a smart move. (laughs) Jets, if you're smart, go get Alex Smith. (laughs) Go ahead and do it. Just put put it in like sign him this Friday. It'll be like part of a Friday news dump. You, you won't cause a whole lot of scene there in the New York area. I, I mean, no one talks about the New York media being aggressive anyway. I think that you can just do it and no one's going to raise an eyebrow or have any questions about it at all. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back with those first round jersey rankings. And we're back at Brody Sports Talk. And I'm I'm really excited for this upcoming segment. We're going to go ahead and jump in to the first round jersey rankings. If you don't understand what that means, let me go ahead and try to explain it somewhat concisely. Uh, Basically, we looked at a bunch of mock drafts. I feel like I went to probably like eight different ones in mid-March. Of course, before half of these pro days happened. And before half of these trades happened in the last month or so and just kind of evaluated, okay, where do these people have these people going? You know, is, are they first rounders or not? And then from that list, people that I basically saw on any of those lists, I put them together as a, the teams, not the individuals. So we're looking at the team jerseys and we're going to, we have them ranked one through 26. We're going to start at the bottom and work our way to number one because that's the best way to do any kind of rankings reveal. And you'll hear us talk a little bit about what the jersey looks like, a little bit about the player and if they're going anywhere. I know that uh, I pulled up, uh, released uh, just yesterday, Daniel Jeremiah's third round mock or three, mock draft 3.0, not third round mock draft. That'd be horrible we're not reporting i don't think anyone really cares about that (laughs) not today not today uh but so you might hear some prospects that you can expect to hear called here in just over three weeks when we get to the nfl draft that's crazy to me to say just over three weeks that's starting on the the 28th for the first yes or the the 29th yeah it's crazy 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 and (laughs) Uh, I'll go ahead and get us started. So at number 26, we have the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. They were dead last, and it was dead last by quite a bit. Uh, We did have nine people's rankings, and occasionally I'll highlight different ones of them here. Uh, For a team that calls themselves the Golden Hurricane, they have no gold pretty much anywhere in their jerseys. They wear blue, white, and red are their colors, and 
the main thing that you see on their helmet is the word Tulsa written in a nice cursive font, which uh, means most children cannot read what it says on their helmets anymore because they don't know cursive. It, there's nothing about the numbers or the style that is exciting. It is a fairly generic bland jersey combination with either blue jerseys and white pants, blue jerseys, blue pants, or white tops and bottoms. Uh, the player that would be coming from Tulsa that you might hear on draft day would be Zayvon Collins. He's an edge rusher. Right now, he's not currently showing up in Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft, but he's been there as an edge rusher. Lots of shakeup in the edge rushers on the big board lately, so we don't currently see him going in the round, first round, but you'll hear him in day one or two for sure. Yeah, so and then number 25 over here, we have the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Um, their jersey to me is just a horrible combination of colors. I've never been a fan of red and yellow as a color combination. Ketchup and mustard is uh, not exactly appealing to me. They were actually dead last on my rankings, um, so they just missed out on everybody else's. But yeah, just not appealing at all. I mean, I know a lot of people like USC's jerseys and they're that same color scheme, but um, I don't like it. Potential first round prospect would be um, another person who isn't currently in the Daniel Jeremiah mock draft, but Rashad Bateman, he's a wide receiver. Um, you know, this, this class is flooded with wide receiver talent. So honestly, who knows where, when some of these receivers are going to go. Kind of the same as last year. You just don't know. Next up at number 24, we have the Alabama Crimson Tide. I don't know if it's because people don't like the jerseys or because people <laughs> don't like Alabama, but they were consistently rated low on the list. Uh, I do have to give a shout out to former guest host and my brother, Luke. He had them at fifth on his list. I think he likes the classic jersey look, and Alabama definitely has a classic jersey. Their A circular logo that they have on their helmet and just the classic A well, they just wear numbers on their helmet now, don't they? Eh, yeah. <laughs> the A is iconic. They have that crimson color. It looks very sharp. And as far as prospects, you could expect to go in the first round. I mean, Alabama is a pretty small school. They don't normally have anyone that barely yeah, makes it you in know, the first round. Uh, <laughs> have they ever, have they even sniffed a national championship before? Like, I don't remember that. <laughs> Selective memory. Uh, so, Currently in the first round, they have Mac Jones, Devonta Smith, Patrick Sertan II, Jalen Waddell, and Landon Dickerson. That's a quarterback, two receivers, a corner, and an, a center, I believe is what Dickerson is listed at. Uh, they're going all over the place. Uh, currently, the, the biggest prospect out of them is Mac Jones, which uh, he might be the most controversial pick if San Francisco takes him at number three, which is what everyone is reporting. I'm not buying it, but people are uh and of course you have to mention devonta smith won the heisman so expect to see pictures of him holding a heisman trophy when he gets taken in the first round probably in the high well in the low teens around 11 through 15 i think he'll definitely top 15 board. yeah top 15 i agree um so then number 23 got the penn state nittany lions um for me this jersey is just kind of I did have it somewhere kind of in the middle of my rankings, but it, I get why people don't really like it. It's kind of just a bland sort of looking color, um, you know, blue and white with nothing special to it. Um, they do have the numbers like Alabama does on their helmet, but 
uh, I don't know. It's just really bland. Nothing unique, nothing special. I mean, even their alternate jersey, like, is just like the numbers on the helmet. Actually, because normally they don't have anything on the helmet. I guess that's probably what people don't like is normally they don't, they're like the Cleveland Browns, but without, not orange, at least orange looks kind of okay, but just white. So um, major first round prospect for them is Micah Parsons, who is an inside linebacker. Um, So currently Jeremiah has him falling to number like the mid round for like around the Patriots and stuff. I actually think he could be, I talked about this, yesterday on the clutch crew sports podcast i think he would be a great addition for someone like the denver broncos um he's a guy i could see you know someone really taking a chance on and getting him in the top 10 but i also wouldn't be surprised if he kind of falls into the lower like you know 20s and stuff as well so um but he's definitely a first rounder in my opinion no doubt uh, FYI, if you hear us bring up this Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft, I'm going to put the link in the episode description for that as well. <laughs> All the links are in the description. Uh, so at number 22, we have the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, Ohio State is fantastic at dotting the I. They have won a whole lot in the Big Ten, but I don't like them. Uh, their jerseys, I don't know that there was anything great or horrible about the jerseys. I really am not a huge fan of helmet stickers and I don't like that theirs end up all over like one side or like random places all over the helmet. There, There's not like a, a form or anything to that. Of course, their main colors are like a, a scarlet and white. Justin Fields is coming out from there. Uh, obviously he transferred there after being at Georgia Huge prospect. A lot of people have him going potentially higher. Daniel Jeremiah has him being drafted by the Detroit Lions at seven, which I feel like would be a huge thing to talk about with him and Goff <laughs> both being in Detroit. Uh, but it would definitely be exciting to see that that pick there. Yeah, so then over here at number 21, we have the South Carolina Gamecocks. Um all uniforms aside for a second, they have the most annoying third down thing I've ever heard in my life. Because I went down there for uh, the App State South Carolina game, and that rooster that they have going on third down is the most annoying thing I've ever heard. Um, but other than that, I, I do kind of like these jerseys, even though they were low on our rankings. Um, you know, they have a normal kind of like a burgundy red going with white, and uh, they also have some black alternates. Um, I think it's more so for them. I like when they do the black with the red helmet. I think that's a good uh, clash there. But, um, you know, I can see where other than that, it's not too unique. Um, Some of them are just like just one or two colors, not really a good clash. Um, First round prospect for South Carolina we have is J.C. Horn. He's a cornerback. Um, A lot of teams were picking up corners in free agency, and there are still some that still need them. Uh, Most notably, Daniel Jeremiah has him going to the Chargers, which they are in desperate need of a cornerback. Um, Desmond King and Casey Hayward both leaving in free agency. Um, so I think that's uh, if it's not J.C. Horn, it'll be someone else. But J.C. Horn definitely could end up in a Chargers uniform this season. Uh, I do have to say, if at some point we do a list of most annoying third round sound or third down <laughs> sounds, we'll we'll have to bring that back up because I sincerely hate the Minnesota Vikings like flugelhorn thing that they use for everything. It's not just third downs, it's first downs. It's like 
to scoring. <laughs> like it's all over the place. It's horrible. But I can <laughs> imagine hearing a rooster for many it many yeah, different th- times. Th- th- thankfully, that's just third down. It's not the rest of the thing. <laughs> I mean, I've also been in an Arkansas Razorbacks baseball game where they literally do the pig call and oh. as in the stands, and that's also kind of weird. <laughs> well, so well, I have an issue with the uh, New England Patriots. They're like third down thing because I'm a big hockey fan, and it always kills me that they play like a hockey air horn goal sound on third down. And I, like the only thing going through my mind the whole time is Bruins score. Like that's all I'm thinking whenever that goes off because it's like a hockey thing. Just like stop stealing stuff from other sports. Like get original. <laughs> Well, we're now making it into the top 20. And the next one is the LSU Tigers. Uh, I think that the issue with the LSU Tigers is that no one likes seeing the colors purple and yellow together. They're, they're not good. Um, I know uh, you actually had them ranked quite a bit higher. They were in your top 10. But I, uh, I, I, do, I don't I get think it. the I get it, jerseys are bad. <laughs> I don't think the white jerseys are as bad because it's mostly just white with a little bit of yellow, but you, I also am not a big fan of teams that wear white at home and then wear white on the road and you really only have one Jersey. So Jamar Chase is the prospect for them. Currently, I believe Daniel Jeremiah, let me just double check here. I think he has him going number six. Yep. Uh, to the Miami dolphins. That'd be a huge weapon for Tua. So they've got to be excited about that, but Definitely just stay away from purple and yellow together, uh, especially as a Packers fan. It's just a horrible combination. No one should ever wear it. <laughs> All right. So then number 19, we have the Northwestern Wildcats with their purple and black. Now, issue, big issue right here with Northwestern. Now, I know Caleb does not like purple and black as a color combination. I do. I think purple and black is a great color combination. Um, but the major issue that it seems like everybody had because there were people who liked, you know, another team that we'll get to later on that had purple and black that liked that, but not Northwestern is they had this horrible, horrible, ugly line that goes through the middle of their Jersey and just like one single line on their pants. I don't know who thought that was a good idea to put that there, but it is one of the most horrible looking things I've ever seen. And it's a shame because I really like the color combination and I think their helmets are kind of cool, but that those lines just ruin everything i ugh. but aside from lines on jerseys um their first round prospect is rashawn slater who daniel jeremiah actually has him going ahead so he's an offensive tackle if no one if you don't they don't people don't know he actually has him going ahead of penny suel um he has him going number eight the carolina panthers which I could definitely see that um, they definitely need, they did just bring back Taylor Moten. So, you know, more offensive line help to protect Sam Darnold and, um, you know, bring in and maybe open lanes for Christian McCaffrey. Um, I don't know if he'll go ahead of Penny Sewell. Um, Jeremiah is one of the few that I've seen have him going over Sewell, but you know, who knows it's the NFL draft, you know, the giants take Daniel Jones at number eight. So no one thought that was going to happen. So who knows, but Slater is definitely a great player, you know, if depending on where him and Sowell are, they probably won't be too far apart in the draft, no matter who goes first. Um, Sean, you had Northwestern's jerseys ranked second. Uh, I'm going to need to talk to you <laughs> next week uh, when we record and uh, get that sorted out. 
because that is not the number two jersey on this list. That is not anywhere near the number two jersey. I have it number 26 <laughs> of 26. So you can tell I, I am not a fan. Uh, <laughs> next up on the list is another like gold and why do I keep getting all these jerseys that are like scarlet colored? I keep getting all these like different reds <laughs> or red jerseys. <laughs> yeah. So arguably the color combination, it's closer to red than maroon than Minnesota, but it's kind of red and maroon uh, or red and go- like gold. I think everyone knows USC's jerseys when they see them, they've got arguably one of the most iconic helmets, but I don't think that their jerseys are interesting. Uh, <laughs> I just think that they are, also, I don't like USC. I'm not timid to say that. <laughs> Oddly enough, I looked at this list and I was like, I don't think I like any of these jerseys. Like, it was one of those things where I was like, <laughs> that that natural college fandom bias that I have makes me not a reliable, unbiased opinion maker. Like, somehow I'm able to separate that for the NFL. But for college, I'm just like, nope, USC stinks. And uh, low jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And their prospect is another offensive tackle, Elijah Vera Tucker. Currently, Daniel Jeremiah has him going number 19 to the Washington football team. He wouldn't have to change much of his wardrobe. Let's just say that. If they're keeping that <laughs> color combination, he's kind of, he, he needs to go from the red to more of a maroon, but it definitely fits between USC and the football team. We'll say I think the football team does a slightly better job with their jerseys than USC does. But um, moving on to number 17, we have Virginia Tech, the Virginia Tech Hokies. Um, very unique color combination, something that you don't see very often. Um, Connor, Bergen, you're trying to be really nice there. I am trying to be nice, but it's, um, you know, I definitely didn't have them very high on my list. Um, burgundy sort of red i don't know what kind of red you would call that if it is burgundy or maroon uh with white and orange um i think the home jerseys and the away jerseys aren't terrible like that terrible but the alternate jersey my god what is this like all orange look with like the burgundy helmet and the white stripes i cannot with that one that's really bad um I'm glad I've never seen them play in that because I kind of like when I watch the Seahawks play and they're all neon and they're blending in with the field. Um, not a fan, but their first round prospect is Caleb Farley, another cornerback. Um, Jeremiah has them going number 22 to the Tennessee Titans. Um, another team that is in desperate need of corners, just like the chargers earlier with uh, JC Horn. So um, definitely can see that happening. Um, you know, really, I think, I think like corners and wide receivers are the two like positions that are like most interchangeable. It seems like in the draft where like, you know, you can guess all you want where you think they're going to go, but they'll go different places. So, but the Titans are definitely um, a solid fit for Caleb Farley. Next up at number 16, we have the Florida Gators. Their prospect is Kyle Pitts, who is a freakish tight end slash wide receiver slash pass catching extraordinaire dude and uh, currently he is projected to be the first non-quarterback taken in the draft according to Daniel Jeremiah he has him going number five to the Cincinnati Bengals 
Uh, I did listen to their podcast today where they were going over this. And he said that he thought that Pitts was the best tight end that they were ranking since Vernon Davis and that he would have put him ahead of Vernon Davis at that time. So it's one of those things where he, he says tight end, but he's hardly really a tight end. Now, you may have noticed that I bypassed talking about their jerseys for a second. Blue and orange, I, I don't understand what it is about teams that wear blue and orange because no one would go and grab like a blue shirt and orange shorts and be like, yeah, this is what I'm wearing today. Like, it's, it's not a combination that makes any sense to really be like, yeah, you know what looks really good together? Blue and orange. So <laughs> Florida does that all the time. Uh, hey man, that's the Clutch Crew sports colors, blue and orange. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why Zach ranked them number one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even consider that, but you might be right. <laughs> no, he, did. he definitely ranked them number one. Uh, I, I just, they're, I've got bad blood with Florida. I'm such a Nebraska fan from the '90s. I don't like any of the Florida teams. Florida, Florida State, Miami, and the only thing worse than their their jerseys is probably the Go Gators chant because it's really just methodical and boring. Well, and just I've probably played too much NCAA football where I remember that like you have like the trumpet, go Gators, and like it just keeps doing like different things. I know what you're talking about. Oh, I'm not a big fan of the 48ers. Zach, you put them number one. Sean rightfully put them at 26 on his list, so at least some sort of justice was served with Gators (laughs) out of the top 15. Oh, man. All right. So number 15, entering the top 15, we have the Clemson Tigers. Now, um, this is definitely a jersey that got ranked higher on the list than I would have put them. I have them at number 22, kind of like Caleb with purple and yellow. I think purple and orange should never be put together. Um, I mean, honestly, for the longest time, I will say they do a decent job of hiding the purple most of the time because in their normal jerseys, you know, especially the home ones, you can't really see the purple that much. You can see it a little bit more on the uh, the away jerseys, but they do occasionally whip out these purple jerseys that have like white numbers and <laughs> and the uh, the orange helmet. And that mm, no, I can't do that. Um, I'm also being a Carolina fan, and you know, I tend to root for the ACC when I can, but not a Clemson fan in the slightest, um, especially after the refs screwed us in the ACC title game a few years ago on our onside kick when we recovered it. And they said we were somehow offsides, um, even though no one was within a half yard of being offside. So thanks refs for that one. Um, but obviously the two, uh, the main prospect for Clemson is Trevor Lawrence. Um, I don't Who's think there's guy? any, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't think there's any debate from anybody saying that he's not going to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars at number one, um, Zach and Eric, I'm sure, I'm sure Zach's probably already ordered his Jersey for Trevor Lawrence. Cause he seems like he gets a Jersey every year. So um, there's that, I guess the other prospect for them that seems like he's kind of fallen out of the first round in this mock draft, but Travis ETN, um, you know, a decent running back, um, probably not the top running back in this draft, but you know, running backs are always hit or miss. You're never going to take one um, unless it's Saquon, someone like Saquon Barkley. You're not going to take them in the top 15. So, um, you know, we'll see with him. 
even then it just seems like a waste of a of a high pick to me i'm i'm totally a draft running back you're you're definitely person. like zach you and zach are the same on that zach is like i don't understand the uh worth in drafting a running back in the top 10 <laughs> well I, so for every every hit that you've had like saquon barkley or ezekiel elliott you've also had leonard fournette and trent richardson and like top yeah five. that's very true so they're like totally bust <laughs> even though everyone thought they were a can't miss prospect um the next one that i have on my list i feel like is probably one of the most divisive in terms of where people ranked People either loved or hated the jerseys of the BYU Cougars. Was I, I like them, the only one that was in the middle? <laughs> well, you, I mean, you were middle-ish. I had them at number three. Uh, my wife, who does not care about sports, put them at number three as well. But at the same time, Zach put them dead last, and Jack from the Hard Hitting Sports Podcast put them 24th. So people were putting them high. People were putting them low. No one was really sold on the BYU Cougars. And I get it. Call it like a upgradable Penn State outfit. Like you have some sort of like colored sleeves. You have a Y on the helmet instead of a plain helmet. You've got stripes down the pants. But it, it like I totally would not be surprised if someone looked at Penn State's jerseys and said, hey, let's add a little bit of color to this and make it our jerseys. <laughs> it is very, very similar. So considering how well Penn State fared because they were, what, 23? BYU coming in at 14 shows how well they upgraded on that model. So yeah. uh, the, the prospect for BYU, we've already talked about him. Zach Wilson, quarterback, he's going to the Jets at two. Book it. Let's, let's go ahead and go to number 13. Locked. <laughs> number 13, um, a school that... Uh, surprisingly, normally you wouldn't think would be making in the first round, but they did a few years ago with Carson Wentz and now again, uh, North Dakota State. Um, there was one AP voter that I saw like every single poll that gave them one vote for the top 25. Never got in, but they got one vote like every single time from one guy. I don't know who it was, but they did. Um, the jerseys for me, I'm just not a fan of yellow and green. Um, it's just... Like, I know you're a Packers fan, but obviously you didn't have them very high either. Um, but I think there's maybe a difference in the way that you design jerseys. Like, I think the Packers, even though I'm not a fan of green and yellow, their jerseys do look really good and they're iconic. These don't have that sort of legacy and, you know, uh, iconicness to them that, like, a Packers jersey would. So, especially these all yellow ones, I don't like those at all. Um, <clears throat> but obviously, first-round prospect for them is Trey Lance. Um who knows with him? I think he could turn out to be, you know, one of the most overhyped, overrated QBs in this draft. Um, you know, I've heard, you know, like you said, without even hearing that the 49ers traded up to get Mac Jones, I heard a couple of rumors saying they were maybe doing it for Lance. Um, who knows that Jeremiah has the Falcons taking them at number four. Um, you know, I just don't know with him. I, he could be a shock to me, but I feel like out of the five main quarterbacks in this draft, I think he's the most likely one to end up in the bus category. I, I would tend to say he's definitely the, the Jordan love prospect. The raw needs to sit and develop. If your team drafts him, you can be excited that you took a quarterback, but you don't want to see him on the field the next year. Like it is definitely a, <laughs> Hey, that guy might be good, but he's not that good. Uh, right. 
I have to throw this out there because it was my jerk opinion about the bison uniforms and I ranked <laughs> them next to last. I, I really felt like they were like something that you would see in create a team in like 2007 Madden. Like they definitely like the numbers, like the numbers, the colors, like everything just felt super generic. And yeah. that's not what you want when you're talking about jerseys. You want something that feels unique and exclusive and not unique. Like what was that Virginia tech or <laughs> what Northwestern with the Northwestern yeah. with the stripe. <laughs> yeah. Not, not unique in a bad way, but you want to be, to stand out in a good way. And North Dakota State does not do that. Um, next up, I have the Missouri Tigers. Uh, I've never been a fan of the Missouri Tigers. Granted, they used to be a rival of ours. I will admit when they go with an all-black jersey, it's not necessarily a bad jersey. And they did get some considerable love on the poll. I had them in the top 10. I know you had them up in the top five. So we both were, were higher on them than the overall rankings bared out. And to be honest, the difference between like 11 through 16 was within narrow margins. We, everyone had those ranked really close together. I, I don't know if it's, I mean, I don't know if you like the black and gold, but the gold is not the right gold. Their, their gold is a weird like off yellow and yeah, it's not quite like what you know ab state or pittsburgh does like it's kind of or iowa it's more of like a little bit off but i still like it it's you closer know? to Just, mustard it's closer to yes, mustard. It, it is i agree <laughs> and I, I i get where people are coming from that rank them lower i don't think that Well, I think it's okay. I don't think that it's anything to write home about. I don't think that it's a fantastic jersey choice. The prospect that Missouri had going in the first round was Nick Bolton, another edge rusher. Like I said with Collins earlier, edge rushers are just going everywhere all over the place because of the pro days. So Bolton is not currently seen in the first round. So while their jerseys may be top 12, the players (laughs) do not appear to be top 12 this year. Uh, Let's go ahead and... (laughs) Uh, move to number 11. Yes, round out this bottom part. We have the Purdue Boilermakers at number 11. Um, you know, I am a big fan of black and yellow, um, you know, App State, Pittsburgh. You know, I, I mean, like you said, I rank Missouri number four. Not really as big of a fan of like black and kind of a true gold as what Purdue has, um, you know, and also the pants that are kind of like a mixture of tan and gold. Um, not really into, um, maybe also because I've always thought, you know, I think their name, the Boilermakers is unique, but I don't know. I just, maybe I've never liked their mascot either. Cause you can't exactly have a train as your, uh, mascot. So, but I mean, there's, they're still decent. I'm not going to knock them too bad. I had them in the top 15, so, um, it's still good, but maybe work on the pants a little bit and they'll be higher for me. Um, but then their first round prospect, Rondell Moore, um, similar to what I talked about with Rashad Bateman earlier, another wide receiver, um, who knows, he could be first round. He could not, he's not currently on the current mock draft for Daniel Jeremiah, but you know, wide receivers seem like they're a dime a dozen half the time. So, um, you know, outside of the truly exceptional ones like Jamar Chase and Devonte Smith, they could really end up anywhere. So, uh, who knows? 
Uh, I do have to give a, a quick shout to Ryan. Ryan, I told I sent him this list and I was like, Ryan, please do not be biased. I need your unbiased opinion. He put <laughs> Purdue number one. He's a Purdue alum. He went to their engineering school. And like when an, I had him on as a guest, we talked about Purdue. I'm not necessarily surprised that he he went putting Purdue in the wheelhouse <laughs> up number one. I I just got to give him a little bit of a hard time about it because <laughs> while I, I had them at seven, to be honest, so I had them in the top 10, Ryan, I don't think that no, no one else was even as generous as I was to have them in the top seven. So <laughs> getting them here at 11 was, was bumped up quite a bit by you giving them the number one. Ah, whew, let's get into the top 10 and take a little bit of a breath and move a little bit slower here because we're finally getting to basically the cream of the crop from this list. So first up, let's go ahead and talk about the Florida State Seminoles. Again, kind of a maroon and gold, uh, definitely not maroon and yellow. So this is where I think Florida State stands out in a better way than the teams that we already saw like USC and Minnesota because yellow doesn't look good with maroon. And I saw several people have them in the top 10. I had them right where they landed at 10. Definitely a lot of good things as far as their current jersey combo. I know that the prospect that everyone sees going in the first round, currently Jeremiah has going at number 28 to the New Orleans Saints. And that is Asante Samuel Jr. I was a huge Asante Samuel fan when he was on the Patriots because that guy had ball skills like nobody else. I felt like him and Ty Law were always consistently going and taking the ball away from the other team. So, uh, Connor, do you want to add anything as far as Florida State is concerned? Or did I kind of take all of your thunder there (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah you pretty much covered everything um i know the one thing that probably knocked them down slightly for me was um you know you mentioned helmet stickers earlier with ohio state florida is funny because now it's the thing that everyone does Uh, it seems like you know michigan started doing it a couple seasons ago um you know clemson does it there's a lot of teams that do it now thankfully app state and unc don't do it but um Florida State was kind of like the original team along with Ohio State to do that. And I feel like theirs are just kind of better because Ohio State's got those, you know, those little circles of like the Buckeye. But Florida State actually has like a war cane that they put on as their sticker. So um, it hurts them a little bit for me because it's a sticker, but at least it's a good looking sticker. But yeah, they're 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 right where they should be. And, you know, Asante Samuel Jr. is... Um, I think he'll be a first rounder for sure. I don't think he'll fall out, but who knows where he's going to go with these corners. Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, at number nine, we have Wake Forest. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the Demon Deacons jerseys with a similar color palette that we've seen tonight? Yeah, well, they were, um, I put them one below Purdue. Um, they're basically in the same spot for me here. You know, they're, very similar. I think the difference for me that um, maybe put them a little bit lower is because I don't like for them. I don't like the kind of all black that they have, at least with Purdue. I kind of like the gold helmet, 
Like I like their alternate jersey that's got the black and the gold helmet and the gold pants. I think that's good. But the all black for me, and then I don't know what they kind of have going on on the sleeve here on the away jerseys, but I'm not really a fan of that. Um, but, you know, still solid. It's still a good combination. Um, they're going to be, just like we've talked with uh, before, with some of these other edge rushers, Carlos Basham Jr. is the one Wake Forest prospect possible for the first round I know we've seen. Um, I don't, yeah, edge rushers, like you've said this whole time, I don't know where he's going to go. Um, I know you kind of had them around like a similar thing to me. So I wonder why like they kind of fell down for you as opposed to like, you know, I had them and Purdue like ranked near the same. So what for them was like worse for you? When I was looking at them, I felt like the Jersey just felt a little monochromatic in whatever set it was. It was all very shirt, pants, helmet. It, it, it felt blend <laughs> instead of any sort of differentiation. And especially when you have a black jersey and a white jersey, and it's black jersey, black pants, white jersey, white pants. That's really boring. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you, you've got to kinda figure like out the, kinda like, ways um, to mix them up. I guess I'll uh, bash on Zach and Eric, but kind of like what the Jaguars did when they came out with these current uniforms that they have, where it's like, you know, I know they change it around, but like, you know, their primary thing is black jersey, black pants, white jersey, white pants. <laughs> And like a like a, a black helmet, like about as generic as you can get. <laughs> I mean, I didn't like the fade either. So I mean, I that, yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> I mean, the helmet was an upgrade, but not that much of an upgrade. <laughs> oh man, we could throw the Jaguars under the bus quite a bit today, but that's okay. We'll <laughs> we'll, we'll try to slide away from that a little bit. Uh, next up at number eight, we have the Miami Hurricanes. And the Miami Hurricanes have arguably one of the most iconic color combinations that you would see in college. That green and orange together on the U, we all know the U. They go by the U. It's not even a unique, like it's, it's way easier to call them the U than it is to say Miami. Like it, and it's not even that hard to say Miami. It's really weird to me that like this dark green and orange combo works as effectively as it does. If I were to describe the jerseys with their colors, you're going to sit here and go, what the heck? Uh, I think a lot of what goes in their favor is that they use that green to kind of highlight different things. The jersey I would say we see the most is the orange jersey and the white pants with green being like a number outline or stripe on the sleeve and on the helmet, where in those accents, it really makes a popping spot for the white to pop off of the orange. And I, I really just like it, even though I cannot stand the Miami Hurricane or the turnover <laughs> chain. Uh, as far as prospects, uh, Jalen Phillips, edge rusher, currently Jeremiah has him going number 14 to Minnesota. And they also have Gregory Rousseau going, another edge rusher going 18 to Miami they apparently should have probably gotten a lot more sacks this last year Miami than, <laughs> than I clearly. Think they did. but uh, if you have two edge rushers going in the top 10 you're clearly doing something right and just a lot of love across the board I the lowest anyone had Miami well I guess Derek had them at number 24 but for the most part people had them top 10 or going a little bit lower um, 
in yeah. the middle, but not not too terribly low. Uh, yeah, let's no, go it's ahead and, and get to a jersey that I I put at number six and you put at number twenty three, which is the uh, the Washington Huskies. And uh, uh, why why do you hate Huskies, Connor? <laughs> well, you know, I may be a huge fan of purple and black, but purple and gold, in my opinion, is along the lines of one of the worst things that you can do. I remember when the Alliance of American Football came out and, you know, I was thinking about, okay, which team am I going to adopt as my team, you know, just to root for. And originally I thought, okay, I don't remember their team name anymore because it's just, they weren't like, I feel like I remember the XFL teams better since it was more recent, um, but it was the Atlanta team. I can't remember what their name was, but um and I was like, okay, I'm going to adopt the Atlanta team. Like, they're the closest team. They're local in a way, I guess. Um, but, you know, they're, they're going to be my team. And I went on TV and watched that first game of them against Orlando. And the first thing I thought about when I watched that, I was like, these are the ugliest uniforms I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, purple and gold is just a horrible color combination to me. I mean, I do agree that they're alternate the one that's like black and purple, like just that. I love that. But I just cannot get over their main one, the purple and gold. It completely is atrocious to me. <laughs> I, I can get where you're coming from there. And I think because the, I feel like that one is almost used more as an alternate there. I feel like they go to the black a lot. And I, like you said, that's not a bad look. Um, for For Washington, I know that they have a couple of guys that are, are pretty close to the fringe. Uh, there's an interior D lineman, Levi Onwazuruki. I probably butchered that. Uh, <laughs> well, don't worry. The next team has sorry. even another name that you're going to butcher. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, and uh, Joe Tryon, that's the guy that I want to talk about because he's got a way easier name to say. He's an edge rusher. He's actually climbed. So he wasn't on my radar when we were first making this list. But Jeremiah has him going number 30 to the Buffalo Bills. And let's face it, if you're going to be an edge rusher in Buffalo, I think that they would be happy because they need some work on that defense. That's for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, they – I talked about that too on the podcast. Like Jerry Hughes is getting old. Like they need – you know, and that secondary is flawless. You know, don't touch the secondary. It's perfect. You know, and they've got good linebackers just – Get, a, get some more pressure on the QB and the Bills can fix their defensive woes, it seems like, in my opinion. And then uh, number six, we have the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, a team that has a classic jersey that I, I, I'm just not a big fan of. It's, I do, I, maybe I don't like gold. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> uh, well, I guess they have the Navy in gold and just a plain gold helmet. There's nothing terribly exciting about what Notre Dame does. Uh, I've always loved the green alternate that they always seem to lose in. And maybe that's half of why I love it because Seems like they always wear it against USC though. <laughs> well, that that's just a nice contrast against each other. You get yeah. that, that green and that, whatever USC's red is that I've already, like, I, I guess that's like the historic rivalry though. Cause like, you know, the green used to be their primary uniforms and USC and Notre Dame of, you know, they've been rivals forever. So I guess that's kind of like a historical thing in a way. <laughs> well, 
The player from Notre Dame that is expected to go in the first round is expected to go number 17 to the Las Vegas Raiders, according to Daniel Jeremiah. And the player's name is Jeremiah Owosu Koromoa. He is a linebacker. And uh, I've seen drafts that have him falling lower. And I would like if he fell uh, significantly lower, possibly pick <laughs> number 29 to to the Packers, because uh, they say he could be like a that – linebacker safety hybrid and he's got a lot of huh? speed and i personally would just love 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 to see any type of athletic freak on our defense because currently the best player on our defense is jerry alexander <laughs> and while he's got a lot of speed he i don't know that i would call him an athletic freak he's just got great speed and good hops he's great at what he does out at corner uh, well, i think he is unique in a way because like you know it's kind of rare nowadays that you kind of see a true outside linebacker coming in you know it seems like a lot of these outside linebackers are you know what we now call edge rushers mm-hmm. you know some of them some of these edge rushers are defensive ends but it's really like the outside linebackers like tj watt and von miller that are now edge rushers but he really is a true outside linebacker you know kind of in the past like what i guess i'll use the Steelers here, but like kind of like a Joey Porter type outside linebacker, you know, someone like that who can really, they can do it all. Um, You know, and I think he'd be a great addition to any defense. It's just some teams these days, I feel like are so concentrated on edge rushers and getting sacks that they forget about guys like him. So, you know, I think it is possible, very possible he could fall because, you know, maybe they want to go after an edge rusher who knows, but um I feel like there's, he could be a very undervalued prospect. On our jersey rankings, at number five, we have the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, I actually had this as my number one. I know that that may be surprising because, like I said earlier, I don't like Michigan. Uh, I was going to say, I, you said that you couldn't remove your bias, but then I did look at that, and I was like, oh, well, you did remove the bias there. Well, I, like I said, I didn't really like any of the jerseys. I, That's true. <laughs> I feel like for Michigan, part of what brings it all together is that traditional helmet, the, the, the winged helmet. I, I've always thought that that looked cool. Uh, even when I've seen like high schools do some different things and mimic it, it, it's a sharp looking helmet. And the fact that, you know, they go with the white out on the road and they have dual colors at home. I actually like that. I feel like because you're not going completely one tone, they're not Navy jerseys and jersey Navy pants at home. You have the Navy and I don't know, it's closer to a yellow. It's it's not yeah, it, it's as definitely mustardy yellow. as some of the ones that we've seen. Yeah, I think it's but, more of a true yellow. And I think part of why I have Michigan at number one is you never see their jerseys and go, wait, what? what's that team? You, If you know, you know. It's kind yeah. of that kind of iconic. And I know that classic jerseys didn't always get rated the best here, but it's also a clearly Michigan. Like, it's clearly Michigan. And I felt like they deserved to be at number one. I might be a little bit of a homer for that, <laughs> that, that winged helmet look. Well. I will say for me, I mean, I had them at number five. They would have been higher for me if they hadn't made that transition to helmet stickers. I feel like the helmet stickers, you know, 
obviously you still have the iconic look, but I don't know when Jim Harbaugh came there and, and implemented the helmet stickers, it kind of slightly ruined something about that for me. It's still great looking, but that kind of slightly ruined it for me. <laughs> At least he hasn't implemented the players wearing khakis on the field. So we've, we've got something positive <laughs> to go with. <laughs> although you might argue it it would be just as good of a product you know michigan has not been winning the way that they would like to you know they need Uh, something to kickstart them to actually give ohio state a game so you know it's been forever since they've actually won that game so absolutely uh their prospect is quitty pay which is probably in my opinion the most exciting name to say in this draft prospect class uh, I could sit here and say Quiddy Pay all day. And uh, Daniel Jeremiah has him going number 10 to the Cowboys. What a horrible spot to go to. Uh, the Dallas doesn't need another edge rusher. Yeah, they probably do. But we, they definitely well, don't need anyone that's considered the potential best pass rusher in the draft. So they should probably do something like uh, take Micah Parsons or something else that is – not taking Quiddy Pay because I think Quiddy yeah. Pay is good and I would rather them not. Yeah. Take <laughs> They've already got Demarcus Lawrence. They don't need Quiddy Pay. You know, maybe they should do something like, I don't know, maybe go after it and reach and grab someone like, I don't know, like a Rashad Bateman, get another wide receiver, you know, then they'd have the best like quadruple wide receiver group there or something. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what they did last year. So uh, let's go ahead and move to number four on our list. It is the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, I am not just biased because of the G. I have to throw that out there. Uh, but in general, this was a pretty well-liked one with only two people putting them outside of the top 10. And there, there's something to say when you look at the that combo, the the red and black with a little bit of gray in the pants. So even with it's gray pants, either way. So white Jersey, gray pants stands out a little bit different. Red Jersey, gray pants. If they pull out a black alternate, it looks good. Like maybe I'm a little bit biased with red and white with that kind of color scheme as a Nebraska fan, but you know, I'm going to say that, I've, I've never seen Georgia and been like, oh my goodness, those jerseys are horrible. I may not like them a ton, but. I mean, it's, I, you know, it's, it's a, it's a classic combination. I mean, you know, we talk, we've had a lot of teams here that have tried to mesh certain colors with black, like purple and black and, you know, yellow and black and all these things like red and black is a traditional, you know, it's always going to look good. I don't, I mean, most of my wardrobe is honestly black and red. So um it's so classic it's so natural i mean you see it in the nfl you have a lot of teams that have it um you know some of them honestly in some ways looking at you san francisco try to uh you know use that a little too much um i was not a fan when they came out with those jerseys but it's you know you can't go wrong with it and yeah the silver the gray adds a nice little sort of extra thing to it the prospect from georgia that is expected to go in the first round uh, Daniel Jeremiah has him going 23 to the New York Jets. It is Aziz Ojolari. Ooh, I got the name right. Uh, that is not Quiddy Pay. Quiddy Pay is easy to say. <laughs> Aziz Ojolari is the is not an easy name to say. I just have to throw that out there. No. <laughs> uh, I'll admit 
there are edge rushers all over the place. I think if you're getting one in one of the top two rounds, you're getting someone that's going to be good for your team. So if you're getting Ojolari out of Georgia, more power to you. I think that would be huge for the Jets. You know, you get your offensive superstar Wilson at two. You get Ojolari at 23. Hopefully he can be a beast pass rusher. And I mean, he's going to be playing the role that Bosa probably played in San Francisco. Yeah. Salah is not going to be able to turn that around that fast because it's not that elite of a pass rusher, but there is no elite pass rusher like that in this year's class. Right. No, there's no one that's making us like our eyes pop out like, whoa, like this is the guy. So, um, you know, just kind of start that rebuild of that Jets defense because, you know, they need pretty much everything at this point. And what better way to start than getting pressure on the quarterback? And next up at number three overall is the TCU Horned Frogs, one of the more unique names in college football. And uh, Connor, I had them ranked 23rd. Uh, can you go ahead and explain the jerseys and tell me why I'm wrong? Because <laughs> clearly out of the nine people that ranked this, it came in at third overall. I, I must not be seeing something or <laughs> I just don't like it or whatever. Well, unlike Northwestern, TCU actually did the purple and black color combination correct, in my opinion. Um, you know, I will agree this is why I didn't have them. You know, I had them at number six. I didn't have them at number three, so a little bit lower than where they were. They are a bit monochromatic. You know, it's purple on purple, white on white, black on black. Um, but... You know, even though they are like that with the jerseys and the pants, I really like, you know, the contrast that they put in with like, I guess that's the horns around the chest right there. You know, they've got the black ones on the purple on the black one. They've got purple ones and then purple ones on the white um, to make it look unique. They also have a unique helmet. I like the, you know, they didn't just put TCU. They also had their logo on there. Um, you know, I don't know. It's just very appealing. You know, I, I already said that I like purple and black, um, but I think they did it right. And they added enough uniqueness to where it's not bland. You know, you're not going to look at it and go like, oh, like that's so bland looking like it stands out. It's unique in many ways. I will give TCU this, and this is something that I thought was one of the cooler things that I've seen anyone able to do when it comes to updating their logo for um a game when TCU was in the Rose Bowl, they put a rose in the mouth of the horn frog <laughs> on the helmet. It, it it's one of the coolest things I've yeah. ever seen. You don't see like, that ever. <laughs> obviously, one that means you have to have some sort of an animal or like a, like I, it would yeah. be so tacky for USC to put a rose in like the Spartan helmet's <laughs> mouth. Like that would be like. Especially since oh, that's their home man. stadium. But with TCU doing it, it just felt so right. And I, I had a lot of respect for them when they did that. So I at least wanted to come saying something positive about TCU and their jersey. So I, I checked that off of my to-do list. <laughs> uh, as far as player that is expected to go in the first round, that's going to be Trayvon Mowring, the – Mo Rig, I said it wrong. Mo Rig, yeah, it's Mo Rig. <laughs> and the, he, Daniel Jeremiah, has him going twenty-five to the Jacksonville Jaguars, as uh, <laughs> they would be taking their second pick in the first round. And I, I agree. You know, if he's still available, 
I know he's a safety. A lot of people aren't huge on first round safeties anymore. The Jags just have so many holes. Get someone who you trust to be playing center field. I can't tell you how many times as a Packers fan before we got Adrian Amos from Chicago that I was so irritated at bad safety play with our team, especially with like ha ha Clinton Dix. That guy was a joke, even though we took the first round as well. Uh, yeah, no, that was definitely me with Pittsburgh before Minka Fitzpatrick got traded to us because years of seeing like Mike Mitchell and Sean Davis back there. Um, ugh, I mean, ever since Palomalu retired, it was like we just could not find a good safety. And it's it's hard. I think a lot of teams, like you said, they undervalue that. You know, they don't really see the value in a first round safety, but a good safety can really change a lot for you. I mean, even just looking at um, I mean, the Buffalo Bills are a good example right now. If you look at a team that's got two good safeties, you know, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, that can change a lot for you. I mean, you can have, you know, honestly, you could have bad cornerbacks or maybe like one good cornerback and the safeties can be there to pick up the slack to make sure that nothing goes wrong. So I don't know. I think it'd be good for the Jaguars. I think Zach and Eric want them to take a corner instead of a safety, but, you know, I don't know the, exactly their opinion on him, but I don't know. Maybe they'd be happy or not. I'd have to ask them. (laughs) I also think with the way that this draft fell, there's so many corners that were taken off of the board that you don't want to reach. You never want to reach in the draft, in my opinion. So if you can take someone who you think is the best player on your board, especially with how many picks the Jags have this year, just take it and keep going. We'd be happy about it. (laughs) It'll work out. Trust us. I mean, (laughs) They literally draft again in eight picks, right? At 33? Yeah, something like that. Crazy. um, Yeah. Let's go ahead and move to our number two overall team here. And that is the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, You had them ranked number one. I had them in the top five. Uh, Derek, who's talked up Oklahoma State, has them number two. Just a lot of overall love for the combinations that Oklahoma state has. And I know that they are known for America's brightest orange, but some of their options that they have that I love have literally nothing to do with the orange. Uh, (laughs) It's somewhat absurd. When I found the graphic to put in here, there's a total of 10 helmets with, and it only showed four jerseys and four pants but I'm pretty sure that they have different options within those colors. Yeah. Because <laughs> Oklahoma everything State, somewhere. <laughs> Oklahoma State literally has a ton of different options. Uh, some of my, I'm looking at the helmets. Some of the, my favorite helmets aren't even there. I love the one where they have like the star, like the oh, sheriff's yeah. badge with mm-hmm. the OSU in it. Uh, I also love uh, when they put Pistol Pete up on the, the helmet, which there's a, a couple of those in this, this graphic, but just in general, I, I like the the black jersey with the orange number. That's probably the one that I love the most. Yeah. But the Agreed. orange jersey with the black and white stripe is not bad. You definitely – no one looks at their orange and gets it confused with a lot of the other orange in college football. You're mm-hmm. not thinking it's Tennessee. You're not thinking it's Texas. It's not that rust or burnt orange type of color. It is – Yeah. When they say brightest orange, they're not necessarily lying. Like it is a very like almost electric off the screen orange in your face. And I 
I don't know. Uh, Connor, what do you want to add as far as that's concerned? Yeah, no, I mean, it's just the amount of combinations, I think, is what really sets it out for me. I mean, I know, like you said, there's been a lot of teams that we've gone over here that just have very bland jerseys. Like, they're going to be – you're always just going to have color on color, white on white. Like, they can literally do anything that they want. Um, it's one thing I've always appreciated about college fo- about college football compared to the NFL. You know, the NFL, the no-fun league – has so many restrictions on jerseys these days that like, you know, you can't, you only have, but like one or two different combinations and that's it. Whereas in college, you can go all out and okay. State, you know, is one of the teams that went and ran with that, um, you know, and really just for me, just the, the helmets, I think is what, like you said, is unique to me about them because they're one of the pretty much the only team really that I've seen not only do they have different helmet colors, but different helmet logos. Um, like, I don't, that's insane to me. You know, most of these teams, like when you have a logo, that's your logo and that's it. And the fact that they went out and, you know, even changed the logo on some of them, like props to them for cre- creativity on everything. Um, it's fantastic. And I can't go wrong with orange and black. You know, there's a lot of black and color comment, black and whatever color combinations orange and black is it's definitely i have to be biased with black and yellow being my favorite just because it's always been but black and orange is definitely number two on that list for color combinations and just to be clear the oklahoma state cowboys do it about five thousand times better than the cincinnati Bengals. so (laughs) (laughs) well their logo is 10 times better too i wish the Bengals had never i mean i don't like the Bengals at all but you know they really suffered, in my opinion, when they went from like the actual tiger face logo to like just that B that they have now. Like, whose idea was that? Like, a tiger is so much cooler. I agree. So, uh, the player from Oklahoma State that is expected to go in the first round, Daniel Jeremiah has him going to your team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. It would be Tevin Jenkins, the offensive tackle. I I feel like there's nothing like seeing your team take an offensive tackle when you're really wanting something else. But I also think with some of the O-line issues that happened this year, it's not necessarily a bad choice. When he was doing the mock draft, he, he teased a little bit about uh, on the podcast, he teased a little bit about possibly putting Najee Harris there, but then he went and took Jenkins instead. And I do think that that is a better choice than going with a running back at that point, especially if it falls this way no running backs are off the board, you're set to get someone you like in round two. Yeah. I, I don't know. For me, it's just going to be interesting to see because I know we need offensive line, but, you know, it is hard, like you said, to take an offensive tackle when really I think what we need on the offensive line are guards and centers. Like David DeCastro is fantastic. You know, he's an all-pro guard, but, like, we don't have a, a left guard to spot against him and we need someone to replace Marquise Pouncey at the center position like there's it you know it's gonna be impossible to replace him truly but I feel like interior alignment is more of what we need so um I guess I won't complain with more offensive line help but I guess you're you were right when you were saying like it's hard seeing your team take an offensive tackle when you wish they would take something else but I guess I can't argue um that it would be a decent pick for us (laughs) It's just one of those that uh, it falls flat. It, no one is, ex- no one's like, yes, offensive line. Oh, I'm so <laughs> excited. That guy's going to score a touchdown. Oh, wait, no, he's not. Probably. 
Um, I mean, I do want there to get touchdowns. He's there to get in the way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. When you don't know their names, they're doing their job the best. And that's kind of the oddest <laughs> thing about the offensive linemen in general is you kind of have to adapt and get used to that. Uh, last, saving the best for last year, we have at number one, the Oregon Ducks. Uh, it probably comes as no surprise. I, I was somewhat surprised that there was only two number one votes for them. Uh, Derek and Jack from Hard Hitting Sports Podcast had them up there. But they they clearly were far and away the top team in this ranking. Like no one, like the there was one outlier that had them really low. That's my wife. She thought that they were crazy. But everyone else, the lowest that they were ranked was sixth from the other eight people. So what's there to say about the the Nike school that pretty much does whatever they want with their jerseys? (laughs) They always seem to be state-of-the-art. They've got bright, bright colors. Sometimes they chrome the colors. I feel like Oregon is the equivalent of a college football version of uh, a runway. Like, it's literally, like... I, if I was, if I saw, like, if I looked at a TV guide or uh, was flipping through, like, the guide screen on the TV and I was like, oh, Oregon's playing, I would have no idea what their, what their uniforms are going to be week to week. Like, <laughs> Oregon could show up and wear a green shirt and yellow pants and a white helmet, and I'm just going to kind of be like, oh, yep, that's Oregon doing their thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's never a doubt of oh, Oregon's doing that. Sure they are. Like, they're, they're always, I mean, Phil Knight has made them the Nike school, and Nike is consistently running new and interesting things through there. Uh, I I would say for basketball courts, theirs is one of the worst ones with that <laughs> tree design all over it. But for football jerseys, it's it's definitely number one overall. I didn't have it there. Like I said, I had it at five. You had it at two. There's really not a lot of debate here, though. Like everyone seemed to unanimously respect and think that they were, yeah. Like no one's getting Oregon confused with anyone else either. Oh no! I mean, like you said, they basically started that whole thing. You know, back in well, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was back in 2011. It was when they that was the year they went to the national championship and lost to Auburn. Like, um, I remember reading a Sports Illustrated magazine. Like, actually, it did detail like every single different. Like for all 13 games that year or 14 games or whatever, I can't, I think it was 13 because the Pac 12 didn't have a championship game at that point. But like all 13 games, they wore a different uniform, like in some way, shape, or form, it was different. So, um, yeah, it's just like I said, like you said, they started that whole thing, they revolutionized it, and, um, you know, they always make sure they look good because if you're going to do that and always change it, then you better make sure it looks good because if you have terrible looking jerseys and you're trying to change it from week to week, then we're going to see it as a really bad thing. Cause it's like, well, your Jersey sucks. So you need to keep changing them. But for Oregon, it seems to always look good. So um, it didn't surprise. Yeah. Like you said, it didn't surprise me at all. When I saw like this list, I was like, Oh, like I may not put them number one, but I know Oregon's going to be on top of this list. Like no doubt in my mind. I don't think, it's a stunner by any means like no (laughs) sorry for the lack of drum roll but (laughs) while it is 
good and it is unique and it is strong. I don't think that we're sitting here saying, oh yeah, we gotta gotta get hyped about <laughs> Oregon. Like they they bring the hype themselves. So I will say I, I would I wish that they hadn't inspired some of the like whatever the heck Seattle did, but <laughs> oh, Lord. I said they uh, blend in with they blend in with the field when they wear those jerseys. It kills me and they always seem to pick it when they play Arizona. And because, you know, Arizona's got the natural because like it doesn't look too bad to me on field turf, but Arizona's got that natural grass. And yeah, I, I lose them sometimes because they're they look like the field. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, everyone, I do want to take a moment and thank you all for listening to another episode of Brody Sports Talk. Please interact with us on Twitter at Brody Talk and I'll help make sure to plug Connor's Twitter. Connor, you want to just say it uh, for everyone one more time here? Yeah, so follow me on Twitter at Mr. Seadog54. and also follow Clutch Crew Sports. Um, ours is at Clutch Crew Sport. No S on the end because I think Eric ran out of characters when he was creating that. So at Clutch Crew Sport. And just to be clear, the Mr. is not Mr. written out. It's just M-R. Yes. yes. So always got to be careful with those things, especially when we're talking about handles or emails or anything like that. You look for it the wrong way, you won't find them. So, <laughs> but thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. Interact with us on Twitter. Tell us where we went wrong. Tell us where we went right. We love being able to talk all things about the NFL. And uh, Connor and I, especially, we have this vested interest in uh, the way that UniWatch always called it for years was the obsessive pursuit of athletic aesthetics. And I felt like that was always a unique way to put it because it's just, it's not necessarily athletics, it's athletics adjacent. It's definitely uh-huh. people, and kind of like I said earlier, people cheer for laundry. People cheer <laughs> for that, that red of the Alabama Crimson Tide because that's what they were raised on or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure that there's a lot of people who are not going to be thrilled about how we rank things, but we, we came in, we tried to be as unbiased as possible. Uh, sorry, you know, <laughs> Northwestern or Penn state, Ohio state, Alabama, but those are probably the blue buds that are, <laughs> that got trashed. On this list. Uh, but on behalf of Connor, my name is Caleb Walgren. I appreciate you listening. Uh, feel free to subscribe, give us a five-star review on Apple podcasts and Until next time, you have a good one. Bye.